Hello, everybody. We are so glad to have with us today a dear friend, one of our global partners, actually, with GMPI, Good News Productions International, Sergey Golovin. Welcome, Sergey. Hello. We are today continuing in just talking to people both near and far, uh, Sergey, about how they're responding, both as a family and in their workplace and in their ministry, in your case, to this current uh, unprecedented situation that has globally influenced all of us. Sergey, tell our audience there where you're living in Ukraine, how bad is the COVID-19? How are the people responding? What are some of the unique uh, elements of impact in your country regarding this pandemic? Uh, well, uh, on the one hand, uh, we have situation when government uh, actually not on the side of the people with situation. And when uh, pandemic got started, uh, uh, our government was still, se uh, still selling equipment and uh, masks to other countries instead of supplying our own people. On the other hand, uh, the uh, quarantine and self-isolation uh, was uh, installed quite in time. So we have you now quite a big uh, uh, rate of the uh, growing rate so far of the virus. Uh, but again, uh, this is a specific of culture. You know, there is no, no, in uh, former Soviet Union, the concept of uh, public distance is quite strange. You see, you you are on the public distance even when you squeezed in the same elevator or in the same shuttle bus and the people just don't talk to one another and uh, pretend that other people not exist. Uh, that is why uh, everyone should wear masks. Uh, uh, you see, it's like usually in a normal in countries where public distance is a common uh, concept, uh, wearing masks is not uh, important uh, for people who are healthy. But uh, over here, you don't know who is healthy, who is not. But when you squeeze uh, with other people, it's quite a good thing. But again, uh, you will get the, you are going to be punished if you don't wear masks. But the law doesn't say how you should wear. So people just put it on the head in a very funny way, just on one ear or on their chin, but not closing nose and nose. But and police can tell, say, do nothing because uh, people don't break the law. So it's the, the, uh, also uh, now uh, people uh, older than 60 can uh, cannot go outside, and uh, it's just quite a challenge for uh, lonely people. And the churches now very much looking the ways how to bring the food for people over 60. And uh, I am happy that uh, I am not lonely on one hand. On the other hand, I. Uh, have three or four months before till I will be 60. So now I can go outside, still, still can go outside legally. And uh, also, uh, uh, in, in order to just walk outside, uh, you should have a dog. If you have a dog, you can walk outside with dog. So people are giving their dogs for rent to their neighbors, uh, for their neighbors who want to walk. Uh, all public transportation are uh, shut down, doesn't work, subway doesn't work. Uh, only grocery store. Uh. Kind of tell our audience a little bit, how's life with yourself and your family, first of all, just kind of helping us identify with how this unprecedented time is affecting you uh, on a personal level. Uh, well, our uh, Ministry of GNPI Eurasia, uh, what started as a partnership with GNPI uh, about 20 years ago, 
located in uh, Crimea. And uh, for a while, we developed quite a good team there and had uh, equipment and facilities uh, uh, for production materials, uh, mostly in Russian language, because uh, Russian is language everyone understands in former Soviet Union and countries around. Uh, but uh, six years ago, uh, Russia invaded uh, to Crimea and annexed this part of territory from Ukraine. And uh, it became quite a restricted area formally. By Russian law, it's part of Russia, but uh, uh, many freedoms that even in Russia are allowed now is not available in Crimea. And uh, uh, a lot of uh, ministries uh, was under the threat and uh, a lot of properties was lost by many uh, missions. And uh, uh, part of our team was scattered all, uh, all across uh, continental Ukraine. And some even uh, immigrated to other countries in America, in Germany, in Israel. And uh, me and uh, my wife Olga and our younger daughter Dasha, we had an idea what was going on because when military troops showed up on the streets, uh, who could imagine how far will it go? And we decided just uh, playing with muscles and decided to go for two weeks to Kiev. Uh, just visit our older daughter, Zhenya, over there because of her birthday. So we were sure that we are living for two weeks only. So we are still here in Kiev for six, year, for six years now. And uh, one of the reasons we uh, uh, were not able to come to uh, back to Crimea is our younger daughter. She wasn't 16 yet, so she didn't have Ukrainian passport, passport yet. Uh, but uh, Russian children are getting the passport, which is actually not a foreign uh, traveling passport. This is just, just ID with your residential permit, according to the Russian law. So Russian children get this residential permit in, when they are 14 years old. So if she get back to Crimea without uh, having uh, not Ukrainian passport, but she already was uh, 14, she will get Russian citizenship and will not be able to get out anymore otherwise a Russian citizen and uh, so it will be hard for her to get a further education at the place she wants uh, limited traveling and uh, so um, uh, it was quite a big challenge for us and especially for the child because uh, uh, Crimea is a completely Russian speaking area so she all her education before and she was just attended high school and all her previous uh, education was in Russian and she had to immediately switch into Ukrainian, the language she never practiced it before. And uh, especially it was hard for her to uh, study foreign languages because uh, Ukrainian was for her like a foreign and then she, she has to do double translate. But uh, she did well and in uh, one year she uh, passed the, all the tests, uh, graduated from high school and uh, uh, joined one of the best universities in uh, Ukraine. Uh, so uh, she did well, and uh, the only thing uh, uh, family-wise uh, hard, hard for us is to uh, leave uh, my mother in Crimea because she wasn't ready to leave such a, uh, uh, with such an immediate. So it took five years for her before she told that she is ready uh, to move, and now she is here with us in Kiev as well. We find her small. Uh, private apartment uh, in the walking distance from where we stay, so she has a privacy, and at the same time she is close to us. 
and uh, now we praise the Lord for this uh, opportunity because she is in complete uh, quarantine self-isolation now and uh, we, we, we just uh, deliver food to her. As for ministry, uh, this uh, change was drastical. We were not able to use our facilities in Crimea anymore. But uh, since our main focus uh, of our ministry was on media and especially on internet technologies, uh, it sounds like we only expanded our uh, efforts and impact as a result. Uh, because uh, now all our office, uh, all our team working in the mode of the cloud office and uh, being online only. And uh, we uh, immediately uh, started a lot of projects on uh, various uh, public, uh, public media platforms and uh, explore them in, in best way. And uh, um, my deep conviction that uh, internet is the uh, um, best equivalent of ancient Agora marketplace in Athens, where Paul was speaking with people uh, who uh, spent time not in any other way than just looking for something new. And this is what people are doing in the internet. They're just always looking for something new. They come in there for, to exchange news, to exchange opinions, and sometimes to buy something as well. So it's a complete analog of ancient Agora. And uh, so if we have a, a news, a, a good news is a great message, and uh, the, there should be presence uh, at the very place where people are looking for, for the news. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so this is uh, what was our strategic priority, uh, additionally to training teachers and preachers and uh, uh, students uh, to use media for effective evangelism. So it became like a, uh, avalanche effect, like a ripple effect where uh, we train people who train others and uh, develop it. And uh, recently when all this borders was shut up and all public transportation uh, uh, stopped, internet became the only place people can communicate to one another. And we were there with already prepared training courses, uh, seminars, uh, answers, answering questions. So I never was busy answering questions uh, of uh, my former students and our uh, coordinators and uh, uh, ministers uh, uh, like, like today, because people staying at home have uh, uh, too much free time to uh, think about uh, serious things. And uh, so I would say that uh, probably we are prepared for this situation better than uh, anybody else. And uh, the main thing that uh, actually uh, reminds me of the early church, and when uh, apostles were scattered out of Jerusalem, the goal of Satan was to destroy the message. But instead of uh, the message just increased uh, uh, enormously. And uh, this is uh, just a great reminder that church is not uh, where we're going to. Church is who we are. And uh, whenever we present, church is there because God wants to be there and he wants to be there for us. And uh, what we have, the only real treasure we have is the message. And message doesn't depend on bricks, doesn't depend on territories, doesn't depend on laws or uh, any uh, limitations. So whatever you 
do to stop the message, it just uh, increased more and more. That is fabulous. And just in a summary, I want our audience just to, to, to hear what my brother Sergey is saying, that because of their experiences of six years ago, they already have gone through what many of you, if you have young children, if you've got high school kids, there's elements of disruption in education, whatever, Sergey and his daughter went through that. If you have a problem with your workplace and it's being shut down and you're working remote or you don't have a job and you've got to pivot, Sergey and his family and ministers and teammates have done that years ago. And here they are saying then eventually that because of the internet and because of it being the place where we do everything from exchanging of ideas to exchanging currency and purchasing, that Sergey and his team have been there with the good news, with teaching, with biblical training, with apologetics and so forth, so that you were ready for such a time as this. So you kind of went through your own mini COVID-19, just like you said the early church went through its persecution, that disruption that you said was wanting by Satan to kill the church actually caused it to spread, is the same thing that in a way he wanted to kill what was happening in Christian ministry in the occupied territory, but it only spread. And so in faith, because that's what we're talking about with this episode of it's faith greater than fear, that we have to have the faith that seeing your life, Sergey, and that of your colleagues and family and ministry should give us all hope that, man, six years later, it hasn't been without some adjustments and pain and struggle, but my growth of your ministry and of what the Lord has used you has been really, really fabulous. I'd like to, in summary on that part, move into the fact, give our listeners just a glimpse in maybe how many different languages you're involved in or how many time zones you have uh, contacts in or coordinators, I think you call them, to give them an idea of when it was time to be squashed in one region one physical area, as you said, the church is not a territory, it's not a building, it's wherever people are. Where are the church members now? Where has the ministry spread to, in your view? Uh, well, uh, speaking about uh, languages, uh, our uh, main uh, focus for 20 plus years was uh, Russian language, because it's like a lingua franca for uh, all former Soviet Union countries and the uh, people of uh, the uh, Eastern Europe uh, that belong to Soviet blo military bloc, also most of them knew Russian. And uh, uh, so people who, uh, for instance, uh, understand Ukrainian, understand Russian as well. Uh, but now, after Soviet Union collapse, we have already a generation of, of young people who grow out of Soviet Union. And uh, that, uh, that makes us to focus on other languages because this, for these young people, uh, Russian uh, uh, now is a second language. And uh, we still, uh, most of our materials are in Russian, but we are working in, uh, on translation into Ukrainian, into Georgian, into uh, uh, Moldovan, Romanian uh, language. And, uh, Anyway, we uh, still think uh, in the terms of uh, what uh, each, every particular project 
what language with, it will be more effective for the good news. And uh, for instance, if some uh, project more focused on Islamic mentality, we was doing it in uh, uh, Crimean Tatar language because this is a Muslim culture. And for instance, uh, uh, Crimean Tatars is not big ethnical group, but in Ukraine, it's a majority of Muslims are from this culture. And uh, doing global gospel projects, we was doing Russian, Ukrainian, and uh, Crimean Tatars. As for the spread, uh, you know, this uh, Soviet Union territory uh, occupied one sixth part of the globe and uh, spread over eight time zones. So this is our uh, constant uh, uh, outreach zone. But uh, now with a huge di diaspora of uh, people immigrating from former Soviet Union to uh, Western Europe, to Israel, to uh, United States, uh, we uh, actually uh, now have coordinators working through Russian speaking churches in these countries. And uh, just recently, uh, we were invited to teach at uh, the country of Israel at Haifa Theological Institute and uh, develop quite a good uh, place over there. And actually, one of our former uh, key workers immigrated to Haifa and started the media ministry there and now doing this outreach for uh, Russian-speaking immigrants in uh, Israel, which is quite a huge amount of all uh, people in Israel now. And uh, uh, right before the uh, quarantine got started, uh, we had to go to open the master program at the Theological Seminary at uh, country of Moldova. So our course on practical Christian ethics had to be the celebration of opening of the seminary. And uh, uh, well, uh, the Lord and my wife gave me, gave, gave me wisdom not to go there in the situation. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the very next day after we had to leave, uh, the border got closed. So if I will go there, I will not be able to get back. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it doesn't mean we cancel the course because we have the media uh, version of, the, of this course and the students don't need to gather together, but they watch all the classes through internet. They can... Uh, through uh, Facebook, Facebook, through Zoom, through uh, Skype, uh, ask questions and then do assignment and all the books we published, uh, we supply them, uh, uh, they already had them even before through the mail. So uh, even in this uh, way, we are good prepared. Well, definitely I believe nothing will uh, replace uh, direct uh, communication of teachers and students because uh, Christian education is not about information but about transformation and being together in prayer and spirit is a big thing but uh, uh, sometimes it doesn't work and uh, like we again we read about early church that they every day gathered together at the temple but then breaking bread at homes yeah but uh, later on the temple was destroyed but they will continue to break in bread at homes because they are the church, not the, not the place we are going to build the church. And the same, uh, like we, when we can gather together with, with students, we, I believe we'll do it over and over again. Yeah, but we cannot. We have great uh, opportunities of communication that the media provides us. And uh, so actually, uh, in 
in the terms of impact of what we are doing, it's only only increased in number. Maybe it's not as deep as uh, we would like to, but in in number, it just multiplied. Just it's just wonderful, and I seriously just appreciate uh, your sharing that because, in a way, I know that um, economists and sociologists say for us in America, if you look at Europe then you will see what will in five to 10 years be happening in America. And I would say the same thing if you look at Sergei and look at Ukraine, look at the situation uh, through the lens of the church, you're looking into the future. And as you, you noted so well, Sergei, the fact is number one, that the church is not structure, territory, it is people. You notice that uh, we are going almost in more biblical ways, meeting in homes, it is still about not information, but transformation, one-on-one. -on -one. You're talking about a ministry that's now in the cloud, that's able to go ahead and reach into eight time zones and into multiple languages, all from your apartment there in Kiev. It's just amazing what appeared to be a loss six years ago has been such a wonderful exponential growth in the kingdom. And that's what I want our listeners to hear from your heart and to see from your life an example and that of your lovely family is that there is hope after COVID-19. God is going to use this disruption for his purposes. Again, just like the persecution of the first century church and just like 9-11, just like other pandemics, whether smallpox or the measles, whether it was World War I or II, those major disruptions were times if we look, the church grew. So in closing, Sergey, what would be the one or two just biblical points that you want to say to our audience here in America, particularly, hey, friends, be of good cheer, understand faith is greater and fear in this way and in this way. What'd you like to close with? Uh, well, uh, I know you like the sermon by Shadrach, Meshach, uh, Lockridge, this Friday, but Sunday is coming. And uh, so uh, always uh, night is the uh, darkest uh, before the dawn. Mm. And uh, whatever uh, dark hours you come and through, like whatever the dark hours we were going through, with invasion to Crimea, with flee out of there, without ha having no, no idea, without idea where we're going to and what we're going to do. With all the situation with uh, COVID, we know that uh, from the very darkest place could be, from the grave of, of the sound of, of, of God, the light uh, uh, was shining, the light of salvation. And we already part of this victory. I say that in the times of the uh, troubles like this, my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Revelation. And I would say that uh, for, for, for times of troubles. And uh, I would say that uh, you can get the point of the book of Revelation in three parts. Everything is bad. Everything is going to be worse. But we already won. Amen. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Amen. Amen. So, Sergey Golovin, thank you so much for giving us some of your valuable time there. And uh, greetings to your lovely wife and uh, children and your mother and teammates. And I want all of you who are listening today to really hear what our brother is saying and to really hear that God is going to bring hope out of what looks like hopeless situation to bring light 
when it is even the most darkest. And Sergei is a living example of that. And more than importantly, he would say, as we would all say, that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the best example of that for sure. So, Sergei, we are very, very much appreciative of our collaboration, our friendship, our partnership with you. And so for all our audience, we want to thank you. And again, for all of you at home listening and watching, we want to invite you soon. If you like any of these episodes, please share them on your Facebook page. Send them out by email and the links, whatever way you can, so that we can be people who are encouragers for. And stay tuned to another episode of Faith Greater Than Fear. Thank you. Thank you.